You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will be taking a look at what it really means to have an encounter with God. Faith is the key to having this. Through faith, we can approach God and find freedom. Our scripture text comes from Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 11. Today's message is entitled, Encounter God. But actually, one of my favorite heroes as a little kid, there was two guys in particular, but one guy I really liked was Clint Eastwood. Anyone ever watch a Clint Eastwood movie before? Come on, you ever watch a Clint Anybody ever watch a Clint Eastwood movie over here? Never watched him? All right, there we go. All right, well, Clint Eastwood was one of my heroes, and I watched, you know, uh, Hang Him High, A Few Dollars More for a Fistful of Dollars, Paint the Town Red. Anybody remember those old Italian spaghetti flicks? And I, wa- I loved those flicks. And, but one of my favorite series that, that uh, Clint Eastwood did was the Dirty Harry series. Now, we weren't allowed to go to movies when I was a kid, so we had to wait till it came out on television. And so we watched it on television. But I don't even remember that one scene. Uh, and it's, I think it's in the very first Dirty Harry movie, and you know, he's a San Francisco police officer, and he's, he's going to get justice no matter what the cost is. And uh, so he's sitting there on a stool, and he's eating a hot dog, and uh, there's a bank robbery going on in the bank behind him. I don't know if anybody remember that or not, but there's a bank robbery going on, and he just, he's looking in this uh, plate glass window, and he's watching this bank robbery take place, and he's just really calm and cool and collected. He finishes his hot dog, and he wipes his mouth off with his napkin, and he puts it down, and he, he turns around, and these guys are running out of the bank. They run into the car, and they start taking off down the street, and he pulls out this great big 45. Boof, boof, boof. I mean, you're like, yeah, go, go, Clint, go, Clint. And uh, he shoots a tire out, and the guy veers off, and he slams into a fire hydrant, and poof, water's shooting all over. And the guys start running down the street, and poof, knocks one guy down, poof, knocks another guy down. The driver gets out. He tries to take off. Boom, he knocks him down. And, and then he just calmly walks over, and, and the guy's laying on the ground, and he's trembling, and he puts the gun down. And he says, you know, in all this excitement, I can't remember if I fought if I fired six or seven shots. And he says, do you feel lucky? And then the guy's just shaking. He, and he looks at him. He goes, do you know Jesus? Just like that, you know. You're like, yeah, yeah, go, Clint. I mean, you know, it's just something about that. There's something in us. You know, we like that. We, we would never live a life like that. It's, it's fictional. It's not something we would ever personally do, but we like to watch it in the movie. That's why we watch movies. Amen? Come on. You watch movies because things happen in movies that will never, ever, ever happen in real life. But we like that sense of adventure. Whether you're a man or a woman, men and women have different likes and the kinds of adventure. But we all like to kind of imagine ourselves in another life. And our little clip here this morning, just no, no limits, no rules. I mean, I thought it was kind of humorous, you know. I mean, the guys are living for adventure. And if you're a real man, you know what I'm talking about. you got your cup of coffee in one hand, your cell phone in the other, and you're driving with your knee. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. And then you're yelling at the guy next to you to move over so you can pull in. I mean, real men drink coffee without lids on, at least according to that little clip there. But there's something in us that wants a life of adventure. And as you begin to turn throughout the pages of the Bible, you discover that people who have encounters with God, people who know God, people who walk with God, people who serve God, really have lives that are full of adventure. I mean, there are things that will happen if you're a servant of God, if you're living for Him. There will be things that will happen in your life that will be difficult, but there will be some great things in your life. 
This last week I was listening to a, a video clip from Rick Warren from Saddleback Church in California. And Rick talks about this, you know, the ups and downs of life. And he said, you know, I've come to the place in my life where I don't think I really believe that there are peaks and valleys any longer. He said, I believe that life is like two parallel railroad tracks. Just get this. Two parallel railroad tracks. And on one track, you'll have lots of good things happening. And on the other track, you'll have lots of bad things happening. And that is the reality for all of us. While there be some awesome, great things taking place in your life, there can also be some really challenging and hard and difficult things taking place in your life. And I've discovered that to be the case. I mean, things can be going really well in one area, but then there's another area you got to fight for. And this morning I want to talk to us about what it is to have an encounter of God and then how we do that, what it looks like. What does it look like to have an encounter with God? I have a PowerPoint I want you to look at. Actually, first I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to begin with verses number 11, and we're going to read down through verse number 19. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse number 11. And the Bible says... According to his eternal purposes, which he accomplished in Christ through him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, in him and through faith in him, we, have, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family and heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you may be rooted and established in love. You may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. There is so much. There's a couple, there's one phrase that I want you to see in particular where Paul says that it's through faith. Everyone say, through faith. Through faith, we can approach God and find freedom through faith. And then he says, it is through faith that Christ dwells in our hearts and that we would be rooted and grounded in his love. Now, there there are two characters we're going to look at, biblical characters we're going to look at briefly this morning. The first one we're talking about is Paul. The other one is Moses. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at just a couple of passages from the book of Moses. The first one is found in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, we're going to look at verses 17 and 18. And I'm reading now the New International Version. Exodus chapter 33, verses 17 and 18. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you've asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. The Lord said to him, I will do the very thing you've asked. Because why? Because I am pleased with you. I'm pleased with you and I know your name. Now, just before this, Moses actually asked God, God, are you pleased with me? God, are you, I read this text on Friday and it's stuck with me. It's been with me for the last three days. Is God really pleased with me? You see, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says it like this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I want you to see an ingredient here is that it's by faith. See, there is a faith that we have in a God that we cannot see. The reason that you gather together to sing songs off a wall is because you believe in God. 
Listen, I, I, I want you to understand today. I, I really believe this this morning. You've never seen God. You've never seen Jesus. He was a man that lived 2,000 years ago. And there are all kinds of opinions about uh, and ideas about who he is. But when you gather together with a group of believers and you identify yourself as a Christian, you know what you're saying? You're saying, I believe that there is a God who is real, who is alive, who is living, and I've come to worship him. And you know what you're doing at that moment? You're having an encounter with God. You are encountering God. I have a definition here uh, uh, what an encounter means. I want you to see it. It means to meet with, to face, or to confront. And that is not the main and only reason we've come into this place, to meet with God. But it's to come face to face with God, to confront God, to meet with God, to face God, to confront Him. You know, I've had different times in my life where I have encountered God. I encountered God as a little boy. I remember, I can tell you the exact place, the exact, uh, maybe not the exact day, but I can tell you the exact place and the time place in my life. I was about five and a half years old, and I was, it was a Sunday night church service, and my pastor was Pastor Virgil Jones, and the, ch- the church was Flowing Wells Assembly. And, and he was one of these old revival barnyard brush fire, hell fire. I mean, this guy, would, he would run around the, I mean, every service. He'd, I mean, I do it every once in a while. This guy does it like every service. And uh, he'd run around the building and shout and jump over pews. And, and the church was always packed and God was moving. And I remember as a five and a half year boy, he, boy, he gave an altar call on a Sunday night. And I went up to the altar. And not only did I go up to the altar, man, I was up in the choir loft and I encountered God. I knew at that moment at five and a half that I was a sinner. I needed a savior. And I began to call out to God. I mean, I had a real life encounter with God. I'll never forget that all the days of my life. And throughout the years of my life, different times I've had encounters, not even expecting or not even knowing what was going to happen. God shows up. I mean, God just comes to me. God comes to me as a teenager going to a youth camp, confused about life. God comes and he just shows himself strong to me. As a 21-year-old man with all kinds of questions and doubts and fears and are you really real and is there really a God? God in his mercy comes to me. God show, I mean, just comes to me, shows himself to me. And I, you know, I, the famous question that so many people have asked, God, if you're really real, show yourself to me. Anyone ever say that before? Well, I actually said those words. I laid in bed and I said, you know, you obviously know God's real or you wouldn't be talking to him, right? I mean, think about it, you know, but something in our human little peon brain, we, we got to like kind of, God, are you really real? Well, God is so merciful. He's so merciful that he showed himself to me. And throughout my life, I've had encounters Throughout the years, even in ministry, I mean, it's not an everyday experience where I have that really overwhelming sense. But what I've discovered is that I can have a daily encounter with God. And Paul says it right here in Ephesians chapter 3, where he says that we can boldly come and find freedom in the presence of God. You see, there is an access that we now have with God where you can encounter God, not just in a church service, but you can encounter God in a daily basis by his presence in your life. And that's what an encounter is. It's coming face to face with the living God every single day. But as we look at the life of Moses, Moses and this context here in Exodus chapter 33, Moses is really frustrated. Life is really challenging. He's trying to lead a couple of million people that, I mean, they've seen great miracles. They've seen God's provision over and over and over, and they don't like him. He's their pastor, and they don't like him. And they're not saying very nice things about him. And they don't like the kind of car he drives, and they don't think he dresses right, and he preaches too long. And I mean, all these things that they didn't like about Moses, and it was really heavy, and it was really hard. 
And he was finding it difficult to lead these people. And he said, God, if you really like me, God, if you really like me, I need you to go before me. God, if you really care about me, I need you to show up. I need your presence in my life. I think that's a fair question. God, do you really like me? I mean, is that a fair question to ask God? And as a matter of fact, when you begin to read the Bible, you'll find that there were lots of guys. Hey, God, are you happy with me? God, are you, are you really pleased with my life? This is a fair question for you to ask today. God, are you really pleased with where I am in my spiritual journey and my walk with you? You see, Moses encountered God. But what happened in Moses' life is that there was a desperation. He'd come to a place where he couldn't figure it out on his own. And I, what I've discovered in life when I, as a pastor and just living life, there are basically three areas of your life that are going to be a continual challenge and fight. One is money. 70% of Americans are enslaved to credit card debt. It's a fact. The reason that our economy is on the brink and ready to totally collapse is because we have a huge amount of debt. Don't kid yourself. We will not spend ourselves out of a recession. We will spend ourselves right into a depression. I mean, you can't just keep spending money that you don't have. It doesn't work in your personal life. It doesn't work for governments. I don't want to get into you know, the whole political thing, but let me tell you, you can't spend your way out of it. And it's just not going to work when you have another nation holding the majority of your debt. And at any moment, they can call that in. You're in trouble. You see, the Bible says that the, the borrower becomes a slave to the lender. So 70% of Americans, are, man, they've got money problems. They live from paycheck to paycheck. There's never enough money. There's always more month. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's going on. And probably, I would say it's even more than that. But, you know, but, but I know that for a fact. And it's a continual battle in our life. Uh, the other area that I've discovered is that people struggle and have battles within their life is areas of family, in the areas of marriage and of their family. Marriage issues and struggles and challenges and getting along and relating to your kids and how to raise your kids and how to get along with your husband, how to deal with your wife, and how does your wife deal with a, a stubborn husband, and all these kinds of things. It happens in everyone's life. And the third area has to do with morality, with your ethics how you relate to people in the job. How do you handle your neighbor next door who really you, know, you don't get along well with? I mean, the area of ethics of your life, the area of morality, uh, sexuality, your sexuality, and how God created you to be, you know, man and wife, and the, the issues of purity of the heart. These are issues that every single person deal with. And sometimes you're dealing with all three at the same time. And when you're dealing with all three at the same time, life can be really, really hard. I mean, it can get really, really, really challenging. And I've found that people that many times have money problems, the, the problems just kind of flow downstream because you feel insignificant and inadequate and there's all this pain and you try to do things to, to, to satisfy that. But this morning, Moses was desperate. He needed God now. God, I'm not going to move one step unless you go before me. He was determined to encounter God. He was determined not to leave that place until he knew that he knew that he knew you see, when you show, when you say, God, I'm desperate, I'm determined what you're saying, God, I'm humbled, I'm broken, I'm, I'm ready to experience forgiveness, I'm ready to experience deliverance, I'm ready to experience freedom. You see, what I notice over the years is that most people, most people don't come to God unless there's something desperate going on in their life, that there's something they can't fix, and well, that's okay. I mean, it's okay. It's just the way that we're not normally built. 
There's something in us. It's called pride that thinks we can do it on our own. We want to figure it out on our own strength and our own power. And then all of a sudden, man, we get a problem, and then we're running to God. And fortunately for the mercy of God, fortunately for the grace of God, the psalmist said, the mercy of the Lord endures forever. And everyone said, oh, you got to hear that. The mercy of the Lord endures forever. God had mercy on Hezekiah. He was lifted up in pride. He was living life his own way. And the Bible says that God was ticked off. But Hezekiah realized, the king of Israel realized that God was angry with him. And a bunch of bad stuff was getting ready to happen. So you know what he did? He humbled himself and he repented. And the Bible says, and the mercy of the Lord endured in Hezekiah's life. Because that's the mercy of God. God, something bad happens in your life. You get caught doing something you shouldn't have done. You know what that is? That's the mercy of God giving you an opportunity to get that area of your life fixed. you got a challenge in your finances. It's an opportunity for you to be able to study, start to study the scriptures and to figure out, okay, God, what am I doing wrong? What do you want me to change in my life? You see, our determination and our desperation, also our desire will determine, will determine whether or not God shows himself strong on our behalf. You see, to the, to the prideful, God will show himself prideful. To the shrewd, God will show himself shrewd. But those who humble himself will find the humility and the mercy and the grace of God. You see, God asked Moses to get alone. Go to the mount. Wait on me. Wait on me. See, waiting on God as a Christian has got to be one of the most challenging things. Weeping may come in the night. Weeping may endure in the night season. You see, you might have seasons of your life where you're weeping, where it's difficult, it's hard, doesn't make sense, it's challenging. You might have those seasons of your life. But joy comes in the morning. You see, the God that we serve is the God of deliverance. And, and, and I want you to know this morning, there's something in within you this morning that brought you to this place because you wanted to encounter God. You want, people go to church for all kinds of reasons, but I believe this morning most people really do want to hear from God. Now some people come for their family or business contact, but they don't stick around. When you come week after week, you're realizing, man, you've been there. You've done the thing. You've tried to do it without God. You're saying, God, I need to encounter you. I need your presence in my life. Paul the Apostle, we read in Ephesians chapter 3, we hear his heart and his passion for, for the church at Ephesus. And he talks about this relationship with God. And I want you to see in verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. You see, God wants to encounter you. God wants to encounter you. You can put that slide up there. It's the first point. The, the, the reality this morning is that God created man in his image to have a relationship with them. God wants to have a relationship with you. Look what it says here in verse number 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Man humbling himself before God. Humbling God. I can't do it. I need you, God. You ever notice when they show pictures of presidents? You ever notice how, you know, they first come in, they're almost always, either they have a full head of hair or their hair is like black or, you know, like whatever natural color. And then by the time they serve their two terms, because most guys serve two terms now, what color is their hair? It's all gray and it's falling out. 
got splotches on their head. What is that? Because all of a sudden, you know, it looks really easy when you're sitting on the other side of the table. But all of a sudden, you find yourself in the hot seat. And you've got things and questions and problems that are being thrown at you that man, you never even knew existed. And the reality is, wow, this isn't as easy as it looked. And all of us, all of us in our life will have things that are not easy. And realizing and recognizing that God desires to encounter you. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. He first encountered us before we ever had a concept of encountering him. You see, humility is the first step to encountering God. God, I need you. God, I can't do this. God, I can't figure this out. This is beyond me. If you're in a season right now where things are going well and you're doing it without God, there will come a season soon in your life where God will bring you to a place where you need him. The second thing that I want you to see that Paul says is that the Holy Spirit sparks power and strength in your life. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. The Holy Spirit gives you the power and the strength in your inner man. You see, you're not fighting this battle on your own. This is not your own. This is not your battle. As a matter of fact, all throughout the Old Testament, when the armies of Israel would be outnumbered and men of God, men who recognized that they were overwhelmed in their circumstances, men and men who experienced victory over their circumstances, you will hear this phrase, the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. You see, the battle isn't yours. It's not your battle to change your spouse. It's not your battle to try to figure out how to correct someone else. You see, the fact is, the reality is, when Christ went to the cross 2,000 years ago, the battle was won. Listen, so many of us are fighting from a place of defeat or inferiority, but the reality is when Jesus went to the cross, at that moment, he declared victory. So you're, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. You're not battling from a place of defeat. You're battling from a place of victory. Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph. You are more than a Nike. You are more than a champion. You are more than a conqueror. Why? Because you are fighting from a place of victory. Why? Because the victory has already been won. The victory over your addiction, the victory over your money problems, the victory over your marriage problems, the victory over your problems at work. It's already been won. And so many are fighting an inferior, an inferior battle because we're not being strengthened in our inner man. The revelation, and it only comes by revelation today. You're sitting on your truck. You're sitting in your truck. You're in your job site, and you're just kind of got a quiet moment. All of a sudden, you kind of sense God's presence. Think of all the times you just kind of go throughout the day without ever even thinking about God. Think we all done it. We've all do it. We just kind of going through life and thinking about these problems, and all of a sudden we're getting a quiet moment. You know what? Hey, I, there's something. There is, there is something in here. It's God's spirit. It's the spirit of God that dwells in you. And he will strengthen your inner man. He will quicken your mortal body. He will enable you today. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with power. Dunamis. Dynamite. Mighty power. 
That's God. That's God. He's in you. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Matt, Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Glenn, Christ is in you. Laura, Christ is in you. He's in you. The moment you come to Christ, say, God, I surrender. You know, and, and sometimes we think it's got to be a big, long prayer. Basically, it's a surrender, saying, God, I surrender. I believe. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I believe there's no other way to salvation. That moment that happens, Christ comes says, I'm going to make my home. I'm going to make my habitation. You see, in the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament times, they built a beautiful building for God to dwell in. And God did show up. <laughs> he did show up. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Solomon, after he built this glorious splendor, splendorous, the most beautiful building the world had ever seen, he stood in the temple and he lifted up his arms and he began to cry out to God. And the presence of God, the glory of God came. That same glory, that same glory, it came, bam. And it was so powerful, it knocked him over. I mean, everyone, they were laying on their face because they had this encounter with God. You know, I, I, what I realize is about these individual encounters that people have, they're not enough to, to, to sustain people. A one-time encounter with God in a time of trouble or, a, or problem isn't enough to sustain you. You have to have that sense of abiding relationship that you can come boldly. You have access. You have access to God every single day. Every day. That's where the word, you know, these things can be a blessing and they can be a curse. They can be a blessing and they can be a curse. But over these last couple of months, my wife and I have found there's a little application for my BlackBerry. It's called Uversion. And there's a church in Oklahoma. The pastor loves, he loves using this, this CrackBerry so much that he had his team design software. And it's got like 35 different versions of the Bible. And you can just type in a word and and I woke up the other morning. I wake up all the time. I wake up, and the first thing, I say, you grab that thing first thing in the morning. I say, because I'm reading my Bible. I mean, I used to get my Bible. I'm, I just start, I just need that bread. I need God. I, I'm 40, so the older I get, you know, when I was younger, I could run faster, and I could, you know, I could think quicker, and I forget more things. I forget more things that I think I know now, and, you know, it, it gets harder, and and I jumped up. I literally jumped up out of bed. You know, I just jump up out of bed like I normally do, and and all of a sudden, my back said, you ain't getting up today. And uh, so I just, I had a moment realizing, you know, I'm only 46. But like, wow. It never happened at 20. I never at 26 jumped out of bed and had my back say, hey, go ahead and lay back down. I never had that happen at 26. Not one time. And I mean, I jumped up and was like, ooh, okay, I think I'm just going to lay right back down here. I'm not going anywhere. And my wife, she makes fun of me because she's still, she's 50, and she just bounces around and runs around me. What? Get up, man. What's the matter? It ain't nothing. You realize you just, the older you get, you need God. You need God's favor. I challenge you a little homework today. Go home, and any, any version, New International, New King James, King James, look up the word favor. Just look up the word favor. Look up, look, and look what happens to people who find God's favor. People that God, find God's favor are people that encounter God. People who know God. The Holy Spirit sparks the something in you. Yes, the strength and the power of the living God. Your strength and power can only come from God's Spirit. 
Zechariah said, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's by his spirit he sustains. It's by his spirit. See, you need God's spirit. And you need to be filled with God's spirit continually. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus just a few, a few paragraphs later. He said, listen, guys, don't be drunk with wine. I mean, don't chase after the things of the world. But be filled with the Spirit. That's what he said. Be filled. The action there in the Greek literally has the concept of the idea of a continuous infilling. Continually be filled. Not a one-time encounter. You see, Solomon had a one-time encounter with God in the temple. As a matter of fact, twice in his life, God came to him. One time God said, Solomon, anything you ask for, I'll give you. Anything. You know, some of us, we would ask for, you know, we would ask for money, or we would ask for a position, or we'd ask for a certain kind of spouse. But Solomon said, oh, God, give me your wisdom to lead your people. God, because I can't do it without the wisdom that you give. God gave him wisdom. And when he had wisdom, he got everything else that followed. But the problem is, that didn't satisfy him. And so, then he writes in the book of Proverbs, the eyes of man are never full. So he marries 700 wives. Are you reading it? You're like, dude, man, what was your problem? I mean, like, one doesn't enough for you? I mean, my goodness. And then he had 300. I mean, you know, you read about these guys. Like, what in the world were they thinking? You turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, and you see a man who is broken. A man whose encounter with God has left him. The remembrance of that encounter. Like, why am I alive? Why am I alive? Life, you're born for adversity. I mean, just all these, like, you know, gloom, despair, sayings, and quotes. You see, God wants to encounter you every day. He wants you to know that you're his child every day. He's your father. He loves you every day. The fullness of his love. His love. His amazing love. Look at the third thing that Paul says here. That our heart responds by faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, for without faith it is impossible to please God. And he that believes that God exists, that must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. It's by faith, guys. It's by trust and belief. An assurance, a confidence that no matter what I'm going through today, God is with me. God hasn't forgotten you. He's for you. You need to hear this today. Paul said, through faith, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The reality that God dwells in you. It's the greatest reality. It's the greatest revelation. It's the greatest understanding of God that you'll ever have. That he dwells right here. He lives right in here. He's not just a God who is out there. 80% of people know that there's a God. Believe. 90%. Whatever the number is. There's a couple of fools. Like 10% of the people say they don't believe in God. You know what the Bible says about those people? They're fools. And, and, And it's so funny for people that don't believe in God. Why do they fight so hard against them? If, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, you think about it. 
You know, this last week, there are, there's a, a school superintendent and an athletic director that are facing six months in jail because they prayed. In Pensacola, they prayed at a public school. True story. And it, they were sued by the ACLU, and, and they're actually facing potentially six months in jail. I mean, what is ACL worried about? If God doesn't exist, if he can't do anything, what's the matter with some guy saying a few words? Oh, what's the big deal? You see, because they don't really believe that. They don't really, they don't really, and they got, you know, they conjure up all kinds of ideas and imaginations. Paul calls them vain imaginations. You know, fortunately for the mercy of God, God is long-suffering, he's slow to anger, and he even loves those people. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The simple act of belief. A simple act that he rewards you. He is a rewarder. There is a reward for those who seek God. There is a reward. There's a benefit. There is a benefit for being a seeker of God. One of the benefits of being a seeker of God is that you know his love. You know that God loves you. God is love. You know that you have joy. You have the potential to live a life of joy. You have peace. You have fulfillment. You have grace and strength in your time of need. That you're not in this thing alone. That his promises that he would never leave you nor forsake you. That he said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. All ye that are heavy laden and burdened, come unto me. All these promises, the promises of God, the reward are the promises of God to those who are his children. You see, that's what an encounter with God is. That's what an encounter with God is. It's a reward. See, I believe the older I get, the more it really just gets simpler. It gets simpler, and then I just got to believe. The last thing that I want you to see this morning is that God fills us. God fills us. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the fullness of God. May be filled with the fullness of God. To be filled. That's what God wants to do for you today. To be filled with his goodness. With his goodness. God wants to fill you. When Jesus, when he was on his way to go to the cross. And as a matter of fact, one of the last, one of his last things that he said. He said, on that day of the feast. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. All you that are thirsty, come unto me. And I will give you something to drink. If you're thirsty, come to me that are thirsty. Buy wine that you didn't pay for. Buy meat that you couldn't buy. Come to me. See, he wants to fill us. The analogy of water to the spirit. There's actually lots of analogies. Fire is an analogy. Last night in our men's encounter, men had processed through the last day and a half. They processed what the Lord was doing in their life, and they had a whole check, checklist sheet of things that they went through. And, and uh, it had to do with stuff that was in our life, stuff that blocked us from having access to the presence of God. So you got two pitchers of water. Right now, I'll drink out of either one. I needed that. I was getting dry. I'll drink out of either one of these. They're both... Pure, clean water. I just poured them out of the tap. I don't know how clear it is, but it's, but it's uh, right out of the tap here. But this week I had some money problems in my life. I had some challenges financially in my, my life this week. Wow. 
I should put a little more because that's a big one. That's a big one. Then, you know, and, and then uh, I had some challenges in our relationship with a fellow pastor. That's another, that's maybe not quite as big because I don't see him every day. So that's a little one. <laughs> then I started feeling the weight of someone else's problems in our church. And that one's pretty big. I feel that a lot as a pastor. Then I started reading the newspaper, thinking about the economy and my health insurance. That's another pretty big one. I started wondering, boy, these guys over in Iran, they're building nuclear bombs. What's going to happen there? Another one. All of a sudden, the cares of this world, the cares of this world start to fill my cup. You see, Jesus said springs of living water would flow from my innermost being because he lives in me. All of a sudden, I start to think about the problems and the cares and the challenges of this life. And, and, and what was once pure water now becomes pretty cloudy. And the, the reality is, is, Billy, Austin, nobody, we wouldn't want to drink out of this. We wouldn't want to drink. It's polluted. That's exactly what happens in our spirit. Watch a television program. Holy Spirit says, you know, Boy, that's a lot of coarse jesting in there. That humor in there is really bad. There's some nudity in there, you know? Whether you're a guy or a girl, you shouldn't watch that. Boy, more gunk. More gunk. Whew. Then you bring this vessel to God. Say, God, I don't feel you today. God, where are you at? God, how come this isn't working in my life? You come into church on Sunday and, and you can, you know, you can sense God's there. You ever had this experience before you go to church service and like it's the most incredible experience for you? Like you're just totally blown away. And then you talk to someone else about that same experience and say, man, that building was too hot. That pastor preaches way too long. You know, he didn't say, matter of fact, I looked at that verse and he didn't say that word exactly right. And like you're looking at them, wow! Did you have did you have that same experience? Did you encounter? Oh, why? They had a lot of stuff going on in their life. They weren't determined to encounter God that day. They weren't they weren't desperate for God that day. So what happens? This which God wants to drink rivers of living water. You're not drinking living water. You're drinking polluted water. God says, I want to fail you today. I got clean water. But you got to make a choice. Show me your glory now. I want it now, God. I want you now. I want your presence now. I want you to lift that burden. My burdens are easy and my yoke is like. See, God wants to lift your burden. He's your burden bearer. He took your sins He took the penalty for all your mistakes. He took your problems. He took every single one. Thanks for listening to this message, Encounter God, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.